In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of Aurolic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com.
I gotta try not to get too like caught up in my feelings about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but just know that there's fucking douchebags. Yeah, and just let them be that. <laughs> exactly. That's why you just we talked about this earlier. Or I, I, I was in, I was in studio the other night when we did the freaky deaky, and it was actually a really interesting kind of being on the sideline listening. And I felt like I released a lot that evening. You did good, man. And uh, speaking of release, did you get exercised? <laughs> No, I'm not quite. <laughs> um, not quite. Not no. quite. I'll be down I, think to watch he, I think he released the demons, though, or he's something. Not, like. He's not exercisable. <laughs> no, he's definitely not. No. <laughs> the priest quit and walked out. I was like, no, yeah, I don't, you're on your own no. with that one. Daniel never let the demon in. Yeah. So uh, 11, Exactly. I was like, oh, this is some weird shit going on here. Just I'm out. Be, I'm the, not, be the demon. They all push the Kool-Aid over. You're like, nah. I'm going to pass. I'm allergic. <laughs> that was fun though i like to go on their show actually well we were talking about haters um i was just gonna make my point yeah please do listen up haters I was, I was just gonna make my point it was like uh scott was like oh he just wants to fuel them and piss them off or like figure out a way to ruin their day when they talk shit and christian was like yeah you just roll with it Good attention and any attention, good or bad, is attention to yeah. your to your podcast or your cause or your message. Well, a listeners and listener, right? Right, exactly. A download's a download. You want to hate and give me a download? High five, man. Keep it moving. But uh, yeah, I was just like Daniel said it best. He's like, you just kill them with kindness. Yeah, you know they hate, and you're like, cool, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to make a comment and whatever that was. And usually, if they left some hater shit. They put a lot of energy and uh, the best action not and, respond and thought all. into it, and and so it was like, that's too bad that you you know wasted thirteen minutes of your life to conjure up that fucked up email or text or message or yeah, uh, you know DM or whatever you call it, and uh, did that. Uh, sorry, you can't get that time back, but again, thank you for the comment. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. kill them with kindness. I think the best is the no respond. Because they're just itching for you oh, to sure. respond oh, so yeah. that they can respond. They're they already like, have their response they're ready. Like, they're right here. Yeah, yeah. just ready to hit. <laughs> refresh, <laughs> refresh, <laughs> refresh. Don't you wish that it was like um, like in that comment section, it was like Apple phones where it, it, you can see that someone possibly is typing a text response back. You know, oh, like left on red? Like the dots are just there. Like <laughs> so, yeah. you, floating, so you're sitting, like, so you could just yeah. leave it open. And the guy's like, man, he's really writing me a long response. <laughs> And then it's nothing. And then it's nothing. <laughs> and then it just dots go away. Yeah. It's really, uh, I just went mind. like this, like I was going to respond, let it, oh, squirrel for 30 minutes. I'm yeah. like, oh, never mind. I don't want to do it. Yeah. The guy's no. suspensefully just waiting. Sometimes I like to type in the response, like, you stupid fuck. Just like a bunch of yeah. shit. Oh, Get and it then, off and then delete and then it. And then I just delete it. Yeah. <laughs> and go, never mind. Yeah. yeah. Or so I think about, this is what I would say. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And set up mm -hmm. a burner account. Well, you know. <laughs> like I said, you want to figure out a way to ruin that person's day somehow. Yeah. Bust them out, find dirt, but it's not worth it. No, because then you're just a politician. Yeah. Right. Well, just it's funny to see. Well, I guess it's not funny, but haters, like even around close, you know, like we were just talking about someone we had on the show. It's like, uh, now it's weird. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I can't tell if, like, the person's hating or they're, like, 
nose was too high in the air to to give appreciation like their shit is better no matter what happens or what you do or what you say they're above you somehow yeah so man i don't know i well i can tell you my experience because of like promoting music and um Mm. and just knowing um you know being on earth for 50 years now and so having met Damn, some celeb- old now. some celebrities. Damn, you you know? the five zero on that. Pretty close, man. You got like two months left. <sighs> but just having some interactions with some people who you know have a celebrity status, and I've, I've definitely fucking chewed on my shoe a lot of times mm. about people where I was like, ah, really had that wrong. Yeah, and dude. And just being, like, I think I've said this even on here before, and I know I've said it to you guys, like, even just being around, like, Brock, which is, like, you know, there's some celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's at, like, a local level of someone you know, or being around, you know, Gomez or any of these guys that you know, that friends of ours that have some celebrity, like, I don't fucking wish that upon my worst enemy. Like, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to have Justin Bieber's life, like, or a Kardashian or any of that. Like, that's a difficult, like, it takes a different, you're built different to be able to handle that and and sur- and thrive in it. Mm. So I kind of try, try not to judge. And it's, especially if someone, like, who you're referencing right now, like, they're kind of coming into having some celebrity. Newer. And so you got to, like, yeah. Well, that was, that was going to be It's like my new point. money, right? Yeah. You know, new money people are different than people who came from money. Yeah. And just, Good like, our, our buddies or other people There's that a, we've met that have some sort of celebrity that have been that way for a while, like, they know, they are the most gracious, nicest After people. the adjustment period. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But they probably had some douchey in there. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, shit, you give me like some money, to watch act, out. <laughs> Douchebag.com coming right up at <laughs> 25 and millions of dollars. Oh, sorry, Jesus. Yeah. Five years ago, I was being a real douche, guys. I really yeah. sorry about that. Shit. Let's get back to the old days. Yeah. Anyway, uh, haters are new well, money. It, That's it. it. It's, That's it and it's kind of more, it's kind of more annoying that when people are like self-proclaimed think that they're more than what they are. And they're and they're really kind of not in the grand scheme, but they yeah. carry themselves like that. But at the same time, I guess I have to give them a high five for their confidence to roll that way. So yeah. I, I mean, there's that side of it too, because it does take some moxie to and confidence to you know carry yourself and like a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just know like when the internet gets turned off. You ain't shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are you again? Yeah. Where do we find you? Oh. Yeah. I mean, you... It's a whole the- lot of new internet. Yeah. New money out there. Well, you... Oh, <laughs> dude. The internet... Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Kind of watered down. Of money. Crazy amount of money for some of those people. Yeah. For doing, like, I don't know, the weirdest shit. Opening presents. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it at all. Eat, but just eating? Just eating? Yeah. Those are the crazy ones. <laughs> yeah. Eat. yeah. My kids have been judging me, watching me eat. I'm like, excuse me. Like, mind your own business. Like, I'll come home late sometimes and I'm eating dinner. 
Yeah. They've already eaten. They want to come catch up. I'm like, okay, cool. You, dad, you like that? I'm like, well, watch me eat. Well, some people are really I can imagine bad recording eaters. myself and being like, all right, world. <laughs> <laughs> but it's popular, man. I can't stand watching some people eat. They're just. Oh, they're. Oh, just like, oh. With their hands. Isn't it hard when you go, like. Because we've just, gone out to eat together, the, the three of us, and it's always very. It's exactly how I want a eating experience with buddies to be. It's like everybody chews with their mouth closed. Everybody doesn't lip smack. They don't bite their fork. They don't hug or scoop, the, you know, hold the bowl or whatever, the plate yeah. or whatever. Hover. Hover. Yeah. Not reach you got, over you guys trying clearly, to grab some shit out of my plate. You guys clearly were raised <laughs> not to eat like a freaking, is your last meal, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you go like sit down with a buddy to eat a burger and he just inhales that fucker in two minutes. And he's like, can I have a bite of that? <laughs> he's just staring at some you. Of those fries. fries. I'll just show you this move right here. You know who this is? Who's that? Can I have one? When you say, can I have one? How do you, how should you go like this? Right. Can I have one? Or do you like this? Can I have one? Can just, I have one? Like, wipe it out. Just like the full it's claw like, coming out. It's like, bro, there's yeah. only three cheese sticks and you grab yeah. two of them. Can <laughs> Well, I've, I've, I grew up with like the two, like the two polar opposites of like best friends. One who ate at an alarmingly fast pace, and uh, one who was the slowest eater like ever. Like we're all trying to leave, and they're just like ha only halfway through, and it's just like, <laughs> dude, how how were they just talking the whole time? How do you how do you I eat so slow? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's not like that anymore. Now he's like sort of normal, but. And the other one has slowed down because he'd <laughs> try to be dead if he didn't. Dude, just like doing the full shovel. Yeah. Oh, dude, like, just, Did yeah. you want to talk a little while we eat? Or are you just going to eat and I'm talking? And then you're just going to be done in three minutes and then you're going to watch me eat now? <laughs> My wife makes fun of me because like, I'll eat like, you know, if you have a burger and fries, like I'll eat just the fries first or something. Oh, she, oh, she don't yeah, like no, that. Yeah. No way. Just the like individual like mm, greens. Some people go like counterclockwise and shit too. Yeah, I don't think I have a direction. What do you do at Thanksgiving? Everything. You mix it in, or you go mashed potatoes first, then you eat the turkey, then you eat the stuffing. Uh, I'm probably I probably <laughs> eat sides first. I bet. But do you I do it like I, that? I don't think I'm eat one whole about side it, and then move on, or yeah, or do you like yeah, the mix? Yeah. Like my brother's a big like mix. It's like you put that, then that, then that, and that, and it's just like ah, so much flavor in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't. My wife will like make a meal and then it like comes with instructions. No. Like no, no. you need to you need to take the bite like this. <laughs> That's how, like, I'm like, is that, like, how you designed it? Like, are we? Yeah. Uh, Morimoto. This is a 12-course tasty menu we're having here? Like, what do you mean <laughs> I got to take my bite like that? Like, no, you need to dip it in that. You need to try it with that. Yeah. Or, like, it's two peanuts and one chocolate chip when you're eating that mix. Not three chocolate oh, chips wow. and, like, no. Ooh. You need, it's the perfect ratio. Oh. For you. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I'm going to eat it how I want. I guess I, I'm i like portion. So I eat like there's. So let's say Thanksgiving, okay? Yeah, you have everything e on the yeah, plate. How do, you, even how do you attack stuff. that? There's an even amount of stuff on the plate, and then it all gets dwindled down evenly all the way to the end. 
Ah, ah so there's right. always one last bite of all of it. Together. Yeah, there's always oh, it just gets ah, eaten in like a in a group. I gotcha. You know, so I like a steak, okay, and then some potatoes, and then an asparagus bite, and then it's I do like, the same thing. It's just kind of do a, a a cycle. Yeah, but not like eat one at a time. Like no way. That's so. That's, then like there's all mashed potatoes been eaten. Then you're gonna focus. Yeah, I mean, on you the want the beans. meal to mix and the flavors to mix. I don't want it all in one bite like Carlo uh, style. Yeah, where it's just I like disagree, lemon, man. nut, I don't want it to mix. brown sugar, uh, salt, just everything. <laughs> Mac and <laughs> cheese. <laughs> just gives a spoon and a fork. <laughs> now I like to make it all last and even, and and definitely eat with your goddamn mouth closed, man. Mm. Oh, there's nothing. Worse I got slapped this. upside the head. The second I bit a fork or slapped my lips, my mom whap right upside the fucking head every single time. Like it was, you did not eat with your mouth closed. Your mom's mouth gonna open. get canceled. She gotta watch it. Can't yeah. smack a kid no more. Nah, I feel like I there's certain running. ages too late to get canceled. Like she's grandfathered in. Yeah. You know? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That's true. Yeah, if your parents are... Grandparents and moms. Yeah, grandparents are grandfathered in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you say whatever you want, racist ass. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. shit. Dude. I don't know about that, but oh, a, they a say grandpa, it, like, whooping a kid's ass in a parking lot at a store probably wouldn't... No one's probably going to break that up, but... <laughs> yeah, they can He's just out there way. whooping his grown son's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm going to be when I'm old. I'm gonna Pull him down. I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want to say. Oh yeah, this podcast is only going to get better. And then just act. As I start coming senile. out with my real opinions on yeah. shit. Yes, <laughs> Alaska Senile Project. It's going to get real funny. Is there any old geriatric old dudes that have a podcast? It's just like two eighty-year-olds. Oh, there has to be like old timers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there has to be right, like grumpier old man podcast. Yeah. Oh, that would be the best. Yeah, it's called the Saggy Balls Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I sat on That'd my balls. Awesome. Podcast. <laughs> well, we don't have that much longer. To <coughs> oh, Chad's almost there. I'm yeah, almost I was going to say, he's, he's <laughs> on his way. Got two months, dude. AARP's going to be sending him emails quick. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'll be able to take you guys to the movies for cheap. Oh, Damn. Shit. Cheap yeah, get that older. Yeah, get the elderly discount. They keep moving the goal line, though. Yeah. You notice that? They have. <laughs> what is it now? You have to be like 80? You said, like you said, I think <laughs> it used to be like if you were 65 or 60, yeah, like your like season that. pass at Alyeska was like dirt cheap or free. Well, the hunting, too. Now you got to be like a 1,000 license years old. and fishing license is forever, too. I think it's 65. 65, yeah. But they what, keep moving that, even like what's social, social security, security and all that. I think it's up to like 68 now or something. Damn. They're just like, nah, man, we need that tax money. Keep working. You ever looked at, you ever seen what you would get? I like five bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> like what you get a month if it's still there. It ain't, yeah. You seen it? Yeah, it's not livable. I know, but it's not nothing. It's not nothing. A social security? Yeah. It's like $900 a month or something. No way. You work bigger jobs than me. Not really, dude. Construction, like seasonal. Yeah, okay, yeah. But if you work like a straight up nine to five for thirty years, where I'm almost at, mm. it actually adds up. Yeah, Social Security does, yeah. or like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably gonna die. Like with my a dad and my like I talked to someone else with their getting. I was like, what? Three, four, five G's a month? It's crazy. 
Really? OG blue Fuck collar. Yeah, in social security. Yeah, man. And that's just that. Like, that's why it's broken. What do you mean? Those dudes paid into it. I would say some some crazy shit. I'll have to say it off air because I don't want it to get taken away from me. But I surprisingly <laughs> got like a... I mean, for like all the like bad luck I've had in the past year, like I got one good luck thing. I'll tell you guys uh, about at break. Was it like a... It's kind couple of million crypto in your account, no, like McGee no. there. No, it ain't, it ain't that kind of good news. Like good luck, but it's like 181 million. Man, yeah, that's what ins- was it, bro? Like I would, you guys, I would be out. You'd never see me again. Jeez, I'll just send you a letter from fucking Columbia. <laughs> You're like, hey, I bought this place. <laughs> yeah. You guys should come I, down. I oh, where now. at? No, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. Like I bought Columbia. <laughs> Check out Butrago Beach. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh. Isn't that how uh, this motherfucker? Isn't that how he kept from getting extradited, right? Pablo Escobar, mm. like he paid off the Colombian national debt for them to not extradite him to the U.S. He did all kind of shit. Like, I never knew that. He paid off the Colombian national debt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover like, the tab. Yeah. Well, then he tried to like become like the in the in the whatever it was parliament or whatever. The, he tried well, to be like a senator, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, but it didn't work when he. I think he, I think he even funded the <laughs> prison that when they he kept him in. The fucking. I think he built the, the prison that they kept him in. Yes. Yeah, there's something he did. like that. He and keep, it was like basically a like an office to still run the cartel. Did you ever watch <laughs> that ESPN? Um, thirty for thirty on him. On that that one is they did a Pablo Escobar thirty for thirty yeah because because he he would be bringing like he paid for so much of the soccer oh yeah huge soccer fan and then owned a team and then he would bring in like all the national players he'd bring motherfuckers like yeah he was putting from England to be like Beckham to like come I'm gonna pay you you know seven million to come play a game Saturday at my house versus our guys yeah and he was putting super nice yeah he was like Robin Hood for quite a while and then um. He started not being able to like keep control of the politicians with just money, and he started. So he decided to become, try to become one yeah. himself. And then he was killing the competition, and then, yeah. and then the <laughs> the like poor people kind of were like, "Oh, this guy's just one of them now." You have to watch the thirty for thirty. Yeah, I read the book. What what is and how they caught that? him was like complete surprise too. Yeah, what's what? That what was that thirty for thirty? Um. Pablo. 30 for 30. Yeah, look it up real quick. I forget what it's called. It's good. I've actually watched it a couple times. Listen to it. It's really well done. The the two Escobars. The two Escobars. Yeah. Yeah. It's part one and two. Because there was another really like famous Escobar, not that wasn't related to him at all, who was on the national team. Soccer Soccer player, player, right? He's the one that ended up making the own goal at the 1994 World Cup and went back and got murdered. Because people were betting their entire fucking yeah, got shot livelihood light, right? that we were, that Colombia was going to win the World Cup, and they like shot him at a stoplight or something. Yeah, they go into detail on like hundreds gets of rounds. Yeah, I think wow. yeah, I, re- I remember that because that was um, yeah. that was when the World Cup was in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I went to a practice. That was when I started. Yeah, that's when I um started actually um Trying liking. Soccer and following soccer, mm. yeah, and actually, started kicking a ball. You around played a couple. Did you, did you come and play a couple times on the pile? Yeah, yeah, I played for the pile for a couple. That's years. right. That's right. You did. 
I just um, I, I told you I stopped doing it because I like did it. All the men's league games are like nine, ten at night, and then I can't fall asleep because my ankles yeah. are just like buzzing. That's straight war. <laughs> fucking old. But I loved it. I love yeah. soccer. That's right. You did play. Did Brock play too? I'm, I suck. No. no I mean, he played no. high school. Oh, Martin. I was thinking Martin. Martin. No, no. I'm thinking of CJ. CJ. Yeah, CJ. Came. You yeah. know CJ? Um, von Imhoff, wrecking ball. Uh, I, I, Va- the Von Imhoff sign, right. which we didn't. I, I didn't make the connection. I know him through the to. storage lot deal. Okay, yeah, he, he just, played for the pile. This dude was like, I heard he was good. Well, he was scary. He'd run you over. Yeah, dude, he oh, didn't stop it. Dude. You know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, he was you want physical. him on your team? Okay. Oh, dude, like it's a it's a fifty fifty ball, dude. Yeah. He's running right it's through you, dude. Not fifty fifty ball with nah. CJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's seventy five percent. Back down or prepare? Yeah, or get your ACL just took out. Ooh, That's kind of yeah. how West was too. It's beer league. West used to play with us. It's like, a, like he's playing a football game. Yeah, just full linebacker. West yeah. played too. West Plug in the gap too. Yeah, West played till he um messed up his knee, and then he stopped. Is that how he did it? No, right? no, no. Oh, oh, oh. no, no snow it. machine yeah, deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about him last night. I was talking to a gal. Went to that. Uh, uh, oh, hell, I should know the name of it. I don't want to. I don't want to mess this up. It was a gala for the Native Heritage. Oh, Native Heritage Gala. Reno made me go with her. You went last night. Yeah, oh, I saw a picture of her. Yeah, it was great. It was actually really, really cool. Um, She's like the gala there. queen now. She kind of is. Yeah. Every she picture kinda, I see, she's at some gala. She, yeah. yeah, she's getting all fancy, and she's like, I better go start buying more dresses. Mm. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, all the galas. Free, can't be showing up to the two yeah, different man. galas with the same dress. No, hell no. You got to tell it's a, it's a one and done, I think, when you're yeah. talking about galas It's a whole like society. That. But it was really dope. A old lot of the men and women were wearing, like, really cool, accessorized, native artistic pieces. And mm. I bid on a couple of really cool... Uh, paintings and photos Sick. Nice. for some uh, for some swag in the studio, but they went <laughs> above my. Don't say above that. My, Brandon, a, we have fifty pictures you have to put up still. I know, man. Don't be bidding for more. It was really cool though. It Turn was this like, place into a collage. Yeah, man. <laughs> it was cool. It was it was a photo of a like a authentic blanket toss. You yeah. know, they do in the, the native games. And do you get tossed? Could sit right in there behind the other five. <laughs> Just stack it in there. <laughs> it was a cool spot for it. Anyway, there was a really cool gal that went out to a, a camp uh, for youth out in a Fognac, I guess, oh, a couple cool. years ago. And I was like, yeah, some friends go to Fognac. I guess she's got some connections out there. And, but What was it called? The gal for what? I missed that. <sighs> Fuck. Did you say it? She's she told, posted she, on her post what it was. Told me Just go to her post. Smoke, smoke something. Her story. Oh, smokehouse gal. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Was, what is that? Um, smokehouse. Maybe, is that maybe like a like red like metaphor fish, for okay? Fish smoking. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, there was this dope. This gal had uh, her cell phone. This gal that got us the table, and I was. She was like on her phone. Everybody's on their phone, like bidding because you can do the bids on your phone or whatever. It says she has a sticker on the back of her phone that says, I'd rather be at fish camp. And I was oh, like, fucking funny. A, man. That is so that's cool. cool. It's, I love I love that kind of shit. Like, she's, you know, grew up as a kid, harvesting fish, subsistence style. And uh, there's a that's a place that, you know, they'd rather rather be than in town. Like a fish a city life. Did you text Rob? Yeah. I texted him, yep. Okay. Yep. But yeah, it was pretty cool. There's so many awesome programs for... Um, you know, 
native youth and kids and man dude there's if you really really want to be successful if you're native local native alaskan kid or you have enough in your bloodlines that qualifies you there's a lot of opportunities oh my god dude there are just so many cool things kid could just you know own the world if they wanted it how many kids were there that could take the opportunity uh, there was not that many like young young kids there. That was an adult. It was kind of a grown up deal. It was you know suit or what do you call that black tie event? So mm. not a lot. There was like maybe a few like older teenage kids that were there. Yeah, but um, just the, the 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 awards and stuff they were giving out to people that were front running programs. Um, in fact, I got a really cool got contact to a really cool lady that uh, wants to be a guest on our show. She's been on with Cody, and what's up? Alaska podcast. Uh huh. Yeah, um, I know her. Yeah, well, I don't know her, but I've seen their thing. But we'll talk about it off the air later. But that was a really cool connection and just something unique and different to come talk about Alaska challenges. So. She's Spanish, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you you know what's up. Anyway, that was a good time. That was a really good time sitting and watching some of listening some of the old guys talk about like a seal hunting trip they went on mm. and. Another guy went uh, harvesting a, a whale uh, earlier in the year and um, going up for, uh, what were they hunting? Oh, my gosh. It was like. The Mighty Marmot? It was a ty- uh, no, it was a type of whale. Pilot whales or something? Anyway, they're just really tough to get. And anyway, they were just talking about. I think the process. Bowheads, what they hunt, right? Yeah, they were something, something smaller, Pilot. though. I think you're right. I think that is the name. Yeah, pilot's kind of like a um, small orca, yeah. kind of a very aggressive. Seen those out in the sound this summer. It's pretty oh, really? cool. I've never actually seen them in person. Are they a uh, porpoise? Is what they're right? Pilot porpoise. Yeah, they're like a they're like a, a hybrid between a, a porpoise and a killer whale. Yeah, kind of in between I've like seen size. Them before out there on. Um, yeah, really aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just crushing the kings. They were out chasing the balls of kings. It was yeah. pretty, pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I was fortunate to go to that last night. I was grateful to be part of that little community of folks and true, was truly it passionate. At the Denina. Oh, good, oh, Denina. Good setup. Oh, and cool. they served. Uh, uh, Nikki Graham was on the team to create the menu, mm-hmm. and uh, and they served a nice. She's the real gala queen. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Officially, but uh, served bison. Oh, that's cool. Was the protein? Yeah, and uh, it was a little, yeah. little dry, a little lean because it's hard to mm. cook that, especially for what six hundred. Hard to let it something. sit there. You yeah, know, totally. Still gonna cook, but it was, del- it was yeah. delicious. It might dry out under that red lamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did the best they could. Like yeah, the way they were serving it. That's impossible. They were. They got. I, I got. I could tell they got frustrated with me because I was out bullshitting, and then I came back to the table and everybody eating their salad. So they were like, okay, waiting for everybody to eat their salad so they could bring the Oh, it was like, fully, oh, it was like that. Yeah, it was served. like rotating. Yeah, oh, nice. and oh. so I kind of screwed up the timing <laughs> of the table because I was, wasn't was really trying to eat on me. I don't like really want to eat at first. Yeah, yeah I don't want to eat till the end. Get my drink on, yeah. yeah. So, but it was really good, really good meals. That's cool. Awesome. It's fun to get dressed up and do that stuff. Man. It is. I had some... I had some Fit issues. Oh, yeah? Outfit fitment <laughs> issues. Uh, and then, like, a final... They need, final like, the dress-up hoodie. Oh, man. Dude, on that note... On that note, man, I 
I, I figured out what I'm going to do next year when I go to that Galaxy. I'm definitely going to go back. So I'm going to have a Black Bear vest made. Hoodie vest. Hooded. Hoodie vest. Hooded vest. Like the Cirque vest. Yeah. Stone oh, Glacier, but Black of that, Bear stuff. I just got, I got one of those. Did you really? Same one, but we can yeah. twin it up. Oh, yeah. nice. same color? Yeah, I had to go that nice, color. Nice, nice. What size did you end up getting? XL. XL. Did you notice it's pretty like. I haven't tried it on yet. Oh, okay. They're really, sure. really like athletic fit around the, the torso. I so it's a little. Bud. Just <laughs> lean and mean. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what are you trying to Bro, I, I was struggling. <laughs> I had like three really nice suit and tie outfits and one fit pretty good. So I went with that one. Oh, you did like me on Halloween? It wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to wear this. And I'm like, <laughs> don't breathe hard you'll blow a button oh hell yeah I'm like, nope <laughs> and so then i i'll make this quick we get through the night and uh i'm walk. we're getting ready to walk out and i'm just like what the hell's on the bottom of my shoes and mind you these are like i bought them 10 years ago but they're i don't know three four hundred dollar pair of echo dress shoes and oh, back I, and I was Nordstrom's. Yeah, back then I was told, told that those were the hot boy yeah, nice ones. They were in high school. I think they were. Yeah, so. I have three hundred dollars shoes. That Candace, Candace, like you gotta <laughs> have these. Scarpa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or snowboard. Like, these are like a bry once, cry once dress shoe. Have them forever. Yeah, the echoes in high school. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whatever. No, they're like, like dress. The they're like dress shoes. That. Echoes though. So there's like the echo like day shoe or whatever uh, like regular daily shoe yeah these are like dress shoes with gotcha the, with the square toe and the oh yeah they're, oh yeah they're nice so you know suit and tie shoes i rock these like i don't know i wear them once every year or whatever yeah and i'm walking out of there and i'm like what the fuck is on the bottom of my shoe like i've stepped on something so i'm like pushing my heel and just <laughs> the sole on the shoe is just <laughs> coming apart oh and i'm like damn. what the hell you straight up Zion those things? Bro, blew out. <laughs> Full blowout. Rena's like, are we going to go out after? I was like, nope. I was like, look at these shoes. I was like, this is embarrassing, okay? Like, I've, ne I've never, number one, never experienced that in my life. And, Sasquatch. And I was at a freaking gala wearing nice dress shoes that were coming apart right before oh, everyone's no. eyes. I was oh, like, I mean, they're just so embarrassed. No big deal. <laughs> it's a Brock came home through those shits right in the freaking trash, dude. I'm sure their warranty program. Yeah, great. they lost my they lost my respect. Just go back uh, to Nordstrom's. <laughs> <laughs> Take them to the rack. Like, hey, got speaking these of warranty programs, though, I sent back these in 2010. My uncle's rifle. I told you that I picked up, and I like, the odd six. Yeah, and I rebuilt it and put a new stock on it and all that. <clears throat> I set that scope up, and I noticed that the crosshairs were, like, broken. Oh. So I sent it back to uh, Leupold, and, um, dude, they fixed it all. And I was worried that they were going to just, like, because that model is, like, I don't know how old. That scope's, like, 20-something years old. So I assumed that they were just, like, they don't make it anymore. Yeah. And you can't buy it. So I thought they were just going to, like, send me a new scope they yeah. fixed it. they fixed the whole thing and like sent it back so i got to keep oh, like, my cool. uncle's scope which is rad and it's like fuck works super good now what's what kind of it loophole oh it's like a, it's like i don't know it's like very, it's called the very two or something like that it's just like a little three by ten yeah adjustable scope but it's perfect for that rifle and i was just like impressed with like how quickly they fixed it and sent it back. Yeah. You ready to go shoot that now? Yeah, yeah. I just mounted it yesterday. Nice, ready. man. I'd love to. I think I'm going to give it to Brandon for Christmas. Oh, sweet. He wants to hunt. Nice. That'd be a good Christmas cool. present. 
Yeah. Did you get him like putting in for permits or anything like that? No, because I, I just wanted to, I don't, I would hate for him to like draw something and then have that pressure. I'd rather him just like go on a couple, go on a, go on a couple yeah. with me okay. and see that you, re- this is something you really want to pursue rather than like me being like, bro, you got that bison Yo. of a lifetime. You yeah. have to go. Yeah. You'll yeah. never you draw this again. <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> don't fuck your, around. Don't fuck. You got your dates. <laughs> 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 nah, I'd be like, cause he you wants want to, that hunt, right? he really wants to film too. Yeah. So yeah, which is cool. Oh yeah, works out great. Actually, works out. Like, it's oh, so nice to have somebody do. that was just certified to do that. And you're yeah. in shape. Just, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and young. You like to carry heavy shit. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Take this tripod. <laughs> how do I how do I get in shape for the hunt? Oh, just stuff a hundred pounds in this pack and go walk around the neighborhood for a few hours. Tripod. Yeah. Tell me, camera. <laughs> come back out limp, dude. You're yeah. in. <laughs> That's right. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters and outdoor enthusiasts with the highest quality gear and equipment since they opened their doors in 1963. Barney's carries exclusive brands such as Alpaca Rafts, Sitka Sims, XO Mountain Gear, Hilleberg, and much more. Barney's prides themselves with keeping a huge stock on hand of various top-of-the-line tents, footwear, sleeping bags, optics, cross-country skis, just to name a few. Barney's is also the exclusive retailer of Montana Knives, Seek Outside, Kafaru, Stone Glacier, and their in-house brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Barney's has a superior selection of top-rated boots, sleeping bags, dry bags, mountaineering gear, electronics, and accessories. Need freeze-dried food or mountain snacks? They got that too. Barney's now has an amazing new paperback catalog available for in-store pickup or online order. Visit them today at barneysports.com, or even better, stop by the store in Anchorage at 906 West Northern Lights. If you want the best, there's only one name in the game, Barney's Sports Chalet. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage for 47 years, has expanded three stores. The main store, the largest Skidoo sled dealer in North America, also has Can-Am, Sea-Doo, Climb, Suzuki Outboards, Honda Outboards, Generators, and Snowboards, Kingfisher Boats, and so much more. Alaska Motorsports and Equipment just next door, which was previously Anchorage Suzuki Arctic Cat. For all your Arctic Cat, Suzuki ATV, Asvarna, Generac, Mahindra Tractor, and now Argo Pro and Sasquatch needs. And to round it out, also next door, the brand new Alaska Mining Superstore. For the largest selection of recreational and light commercial mining equipment, anywhere, period. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaska public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to engagement with boots on the ground projects from Kotzebue to Ketchikan. BHA performs public land cleanups, hunting and fishing clinics, and community education to help take your game to the next level. BHA's community-minded goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping wild lands wild and fostering the next generation of sportsmen and women for years to come. Make sure to follow BHA Alaska for upcoming events, local brewery pint nights, and more. Stand up for Alaska public lands and waters by supporting the Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Join us today at backcountryhunters.org. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. When you pull up to the Treehouse, you'll notice the beautifully hand-drawn art by Alaska's own Ted Kim. 
Once you get inside, you're going to see many of the same people that have been there since they opened. The bud tenders know you and what you like and what new product you should be checking out. The store is super clean and the music's always on point. The Treehouse and local owner Josh Boots is a staple in the cannabis culture through his music, community givebacks, and a lifetime desire to bring the people of Alaska the best products available. The Treehouse always has at least 25 strains available, and they're all shown prominently deli style in clear, openable jars so you can see and smell your options. Other products include edibles, concentrates, vape carts, pre-rolls, flour, dab rigs, and anything else you need, they got it. They also have some pretty sick merchandise for sale. Check out thetreehouseak.com, or better yet, stop by the Treehouse today and get started on their loyalty program. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. It's all of it. The full money. Full. Oh. Um, why don't you walk us through what we're about to, who we're calling here. Also, we're, um, we're going to have uh, Robbie... Kroger, I think is how you say it. Um, Kroger. He started uh, Blood Origins, which is a podcast, and uh, they're on Instagram. I'm not sure what other platforms he has, but he's kind of just uh, he's kind of taking the lead on uh, on trying to portray hunting in a better light, and trying to kind of like change the narrative on the word that's kind of been hijacked and turned into a bad word which is trophy hunting and he is from south africa now lives in the u.s he's a biologist i believe and um so he has a really good um understanding of the north american conservation model which is pretty much based on hunting and uh and he understands he does a very good job of explaining uh the consequences of hunting and he uses that word a lot and i've kind of hijacked that word stolen it borrowed it whatever when i try to explain it to people when people don't understand like why it's important that um some rich guy is allowed to you know, pay four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars and go shoot a zebra or an elephant or a lion in Africa because <clears throat> that money isn't going to come any other way, and that money pays for anti-poaching programs. It pays to keep animals around, and that that is a thing that I don't think it's pushed enough. And. Robbie can fill us in on a lot more of it, but he's doing a really good job of uh, defending hunting. Got it. We need that. Almost like the original how. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, well, how how is like kind of the other side of that coin where uh, uh, Charles over there is trying to like he's bringing the awareness of the stuff that is like politically moving. Mm through and laws changing and and the kind of anti-hunting movement having a lot of uh lobby money and a lot of you know they stay in politics and and you know a lot of these companies have huge donors so they have a bottomless supply of money which is kind of funny right because the anti-hunting movement like if they put that if they put that money into conservation <laughs> then they wouldn't even 
Yeah. Okay. There you go. I don't know. It'd be double the conservation. Yeah. And Robbie's just more of a kind of trying to change the narrative on like hunting is this redneck blood sport thing that it's really not like all of us know. Like, I mean, we cry like babies when we're doing it. Is that a Van Damme? Huh? Reference? What? Blood sport. (laughs) It could be. Remember that? Great movie. Yeah. Splits under the water, dude. Yeah. He's a king of splits. He did like oh, the splits, dude. didn't he? He made me want to do the splits. As a kid. I couldn't. I did the splits on. I Friday. was never a fan of his. I was never Put those a fan dress of shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, your shoe did the splits. <laughs> Definitely full blow. Up. All right, well, let's call Robbie. See if this technology works. I tore my crotch out, man. It was horrible. <laughs> well, drum roll, please. Oh, here we go. Need that FaceTime action. FaceTime. We gotta get a camera set up. You there? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? We got the audio. We're still working on the picture. I got you. I can uh, see you. There, there we go. go. There we go. How's it going Thank down you there? Fancy. Oh man, it's doing well. Beautiful, uh, beautiful day in Mississippi. Ah, Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, and. Uh, it was actually beautiful, man. 55 high, oh, low perfect. freezing, so perfect. Oh, well, it's 8 here. <laughs> yeah, that's way too cold. That's why yeah. I do not live in Alaska. Well, this isn't too normal for us, but... Well, welcome on, Robbie. Thanks for your time today, man. Appreciate you coming on. Oh, no, I appreciate you guys. Um, We've got the kids out the house. So wife's cooking dinner, and we're going to watch a, a horror movie. My wife was a, has a PhD in 18th century Gothic literature. So she's like, you want to watch a horror film? And I was like, I guess. Yep, all right, let's do it. That's what your night's going to be, all right? That sounds like a plan. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a heck great. of a like, date night situation going on there. Yeah, that's why we moved to Memphis, man. The, the the in-laws are 15 minutes away, and the kids love going to spend time over there. So, like it. And it's Thanksgiving week, so you guys go over there, and we're going to get some sleep. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. Well, Robbie, thanks for coming on, and, and uh, you know, thank you for all the work that you do with your podcast and, and bringing awareness to all the things that you – um are have been doing and are currently doing um i know that there's a lot of uh fans of your show up here in alaska as you know we're a very big hunting community and culture up here um i think one of the first podcasts that um alerted me to to your show was the i think it was uh titled are all or something about rich sheep hunters like all sheep hunters are rich guys or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not that we we tend to we tend to dive headfirst into controversial topics because it's just I think a lot of people get 
I think that a lot of people try and avoid controversial topics because they just don't know how to have good discussions around hard things. And, you know, Blood Origins, we, we pride ourselves in the way that we are able to have discussions and able to look at both sides of the coin. And we haven't really made up our minds truly when we get onto a podcast with people. Uh, we want to hear from, you know, people who have differing opinions than ours. And unfortunately, I think it's probably one of the biggest cancers in our hunting industry and in our hunting culture is that we have this almost like tribalism, competitiveness built into our DNA that just says that if you don't hunt the way that I hunt and you have more money than I have, I'm going to cause a big ruckus around it and I'm going to, I don't know, you know, make a big deal about it and call you all sorts of names and mm. Sling mud. <laughs> it's like, guys, man, shit, we're only 5% of the population. We're a minority of minorities. Mm -hmm. Just quit this nonsense, man. Yeah. Can you give us a little uh, history on yourself and a bit on your background and maybe what inspired you to um, begin Blood Origins? Yeah, so I come from a, a family that's steeped in hunting heritage. My grandfather hunted essentially the two hunting meccas that this world had to offer, according to him. He hunted Siberia and northern China and Tibet in the 20s and 30s. Like he, I, I don't know anybody. I've never read an, an article or a story of anybody that hunted white-eared pheasants in Tibet. My grandfather hunted them. Mm. Um, my, hunt, my grandfather hunted for the pot. He was a hunter-gatherer in, in, in Manchuria at the time um, in the 30s and 40s. And, and, and early 50s, and then he immigrated to Mozambique with his family. He got a, a job there and pretty much lived the heyday of Africa in the 60s and 70s until revolution hit Mozambique. And so I've got phenomenal stories. I've got, I've actually got some trophies right here on the wall from him, but I never got to hunt. I got to hunt doves once or twice when I was 16. Um... But that was it, man. I didn't really get to hunt. I only got to hunt really when I came to the States and did a PhD. I got a PhD in wetland ecology and aquatic biogeochemistry. Um, learned to hunt here, got involved in hunting here. I'm now raising my boys here, married to a girl from Memphis, Tennessee. And I just started thinking about like, what am I going to tell my boys when we go hunting? Biologically, I had it all down. I know habitat restoration. I'm a restoration ecologist now, been in the, in the business for 20, 25 years. Um, but I couldn't really explain to them at the beginning of Blood Origins, I really couldn't explain to them why I hunted from a heart perspective and from a soul perspective and from a head perspective. And so I was like, wow, maybe I can, I can learn. We're good? Yeah, we're good. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can learn from, from like outdoor media and social media about this like this simple thing, which is why. Why do you hunt? And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find an outdoor channel. I couldn't find it on Sportsman's channel. All I could find was people whispering at cameras in tree stands saying, here comes a deer. You know, and high-fiving each other once we killed a deer and we killed something. And I was like, man, that's just, that just doesn't feel right. 
And so I just started, and again, we I approached this not from a perspective of like an ego trip for me, because nothing about Blood Origins is Robbie Kroger. It's all about someone else. And so for the first three years, we told stories of hunters, of why do you hunt? Some of the biggest names in the industry we got involved with, so Jim Shockey, or Will Primo, or Cuz Strickland, but then absolute no-names. You know, Joanna Dart, of, of, of a Korean adoptee in Michigan. Um, you know, Joey Gosha, a guy from A Big Duck Hunter in Louisiana. Um, so it was just like, it was the whole gamut. And it didn't matter, like diversity, ethnicity, nationality, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I was just interested in understanding people's heart. And that's what we got known for. Um, and then lo and behold, um, we got to a point where my wife, <laughs> uh, said to me, she was like, man, we just need to, uh, I love the passion that you have for, I love the passion that you have for Blood Origins, but I want my savings account back. <laughs> because we had created a different business model. And I think this is one of the most, I think the unique things about Blood Origins and what sets us apart. And I think what's, what's branded us differently in that I didn't, not for a lack of trying in those early years, you know, you've got a Yeti cooler uh, on your, on your, right there in front of you like did i approach yeti and say hey do you want to sponsor me just like any hunting you know industry person wanted a bow sponsor a rifle sponsor a camo sponsor and i asked everybody said no mm. and so we just kept plotting we just kept talking to people we just kept doing and so then somebody said to me is like man you guys are starting to talk more and more and more about hunting writ large and you've got some ideas at the time. I had some ideas of, of like talking heads and other bits of content that we could start creating. And they said, well, it sounds like you're going into the advocacy, education, awareness sphere. Why don't you just turn yourself into a 501c3? Turn yourself into a public charity, mm. which was a business model that then you could generate funding through. And I said, okay. I had no idea what I was doing. We had no idea like how you would do that, what platforms, everything was like, we were building the airplane. We're still building the airplane as we're flying it. And I remember the day that we announced it, like within that day, we had 50 people sign up to give us money. I was like, oh man, okay, this could work. And that's how we've gone. It's literally like we, we are coming up, like even today, if you saw on my Insta in, on my Instagram story yesterday today, I'm coming up with new types of content that we want to create, like just little like uh, I, the one that I'm going to do is the impact of hunting, and it's going to be just written words because I, I think I saw a couple of people that have been doing that, maybe like the New York Times or, or the Washington Post, and I was like, man, those are just really clean graphics that people can grab, people can use, people can put in their brain. They can share it around. That's one. We're going to do a myth versus fact uh, kind of infographic. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's been a fun ride. And, and we literally are just getting started. Like, I feel like we're literally just getting started. We're three years old as a, as a nonprofit. And, 
you know, you look around at other nonprofits and they're like, they've been around for 50 years, you know, 60 years. And our digital fingerprint around the world is like enormous for somebody who's three years old. Like I'm talking to you guys in Alaska and people know about us in Alaska. You know, <laughs> I, we were just mentioned. Oh, yeah. Here's how crazy it was. Literally, I got sent a video three days ago from a, a, a member of parliament in the state of Victoria in Australia who stood up and was advocating for a bill for a Hunters for the Hungry program in Victoria, Australia. They do a lot of chopper shooting of fallow deer mm. in Victoria and they just leave the carcasses to rot on the side of the landscape, side of the mountain. Yeah. And Blood Origins was built, brought up in the guy's speech. Wow. No, I you, I mean you're doing something that's it's just so completely different than what everyone else is doing in this space and that's why I think it's such a cool thing and it's such an important thing is because you really are um like it's an approach that's great because we are a minority, so our voting power is really not that big. So how do we convince the non-hunters to still support us? And I think that's exactly what you're doing because you're showing people that like this isn't just something that a bunch of hillbillies do just because it's like they grew up in it and they just want to kill things, that it's very sustainable. And in Alaska, we, you know, we don't, we we're we're blessed with a lot of not having the problems that i witness in other states because of the awareness that guys like you and howl and a lot of you know these organizations that are making us aware of things that are happening in like washington and colorado and big rule changes big law changes and they're really making it difficult to be a hunter and provide for your family and we don't we don't have those issues in alaska as much because this is such a hunting culture up here um but you know we gotta have we have to be proactive to stay out in front of it to make sure that that stuff doesn't start moving here and we do because we have we have experienced some federal overreach lately like, yeah. like we're aware yeah. of that you know that was like the first times in probably all three of our lives where we've seen hunting be taken away from us and it wasn't a state thing it was a federal thing mm -hmm. but i don't think it nailed home because when it happened we're like well we have we'll just shift our opportunity from there to over here and so some people just kind of like let it slide. But if mm. that continues to happen, yeah, and then it's like next year they're taking this spot, and then next year they're taking this spot, mm. and then next thing you know, half the state is gone just because we decided to not stand up from the very beginning when they began the overreach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the a couple of those things in Alaska slipped under the radar. Everyone was like, what? What just happened? Oh, yeah. Shit. yeah, definitely. I can't believe that just happened. Um, so yeah, place you know things like Howl and us speaking. I think a lot of more people are becoming a lot more aware of things happening around them, and so I think you're seeing a lot more people getting a little, lot more active and a lot more engaged in the legislative, policy, political uh, system. And so it's just a, I think it's an awareness thing. You know, from our perspective, I'm on a, I'm on a crusade to. You know, when you start reaching, you know, we are specifically creating content for the non-hunting majority. Like, yes, hunters absorb it, hunters take it in, hunters share it. And every time they share it, 
it it filters into their spheres, their community spheres that are full of non-hunters as well. And we, you know, we do things that are out the box. Like we will purposely put money behind messaging in Facebook towards non-hunters. We don't promote. If you see, you know, most of the Facebook posts that you see are promotions or sponsors on things that you want to buy, right? Yeah. We're completely antithetical to that and that we're promoting and sponsoring posts that show what hunting is doing for people, for wildlife, for communities into non-hunting arenas with no return on the investment, right? We're not selling anything that we're not reaping sort of funds back for the funds that we're spending. But hopefully we're, we're planting seeds constantly mm. across social media so that when the ballot box does occur or when a legislation does come up or when someone says something about hunting on at the dinner table, someone goes, well, I just saw something that was really interesting, man. These guys were going in there and they were helping people and putting boreholes in and giving them food. And I didn't know that about hunting. Sounds like you don't know that about hunting either, you know? Mm. So that's where, that's where we're after. And I, I would say that, you know, that that's pretty powerful message, man. When, when you start thinking about what resonates with people messaging wise, if you're helping people, it's a pretty powerful message. You're helping orphans. You're helping people who have no access to water. You have people that have no access to food, no protein access. You're giving them jobs. You're giving them access to medical. Those are all real powerful messages. Yep. And then when you talk about the wildlife side of things, like, you know, look at all the wildlife that we're promoting. Look at all the science behind the wildlife. Look at all the wildlife populations that are, uh, you know, sustaining or increasing and or increasing all around the world because of hunting. And so those are the kinds of things that we're just going to, like, we're going to double down on, even, you know, triple down on in the next 12 months to 18 months to 24 months. We had a massive, massive victory in the UK. Yeah, big time. Trophy hunting bill that we've been that has been happening, literally being pushed for the last three to five years. Ever since we started Blood Origins, we knew about it. That died. It was not in the King's speech, and it died. But it's going to come back. And so when it comes back, we've got to have our ducks in a row even more than before. We've got to have all of the data. We're going to have to have all the impacts from everywhere. Like, sh Show me what's happening. Show me how much habitat is protected in the state of arkansas because of hunting it's like four point no it's it's like 3.6 million acres in the state of arkansas i wonder how much how many how many acres are protected through hunting for hunting in alaska a lot a lot a lot well can you can you dive into um I think there's probably a lot of people that don't even know what just took place in England. Um, and, and, and I know that you, your, um, take and being from South from South Africa, you have a better understanding than any of us about the importance of the so-called, you know, I hate to air quote, but trophy hunting in Africa and actually what it actually does for conservation and for the people of Africa. Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize, but that UK trophy hunting prohibition bill was a, a, a global prohibition bill. So somebody from the UK couldn't come to Alaska, shoot a doll sheep and bring it back to UK. Mm. That was illegal. It was a global bill. And so 
the the idea behind the bill was in the beginning the way that they counted was like oh no 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 all we're doing is we're just stopping you bringing your trophies home and we're like okay that doesn't really make any sense and then as we, the the heat started turning up in the last six months to eight months what we heard directly from them was like this is our way indirectly to stop people hunting if you can't bring your trophy home and you can't you know bring the memory back that you're looking to bring back then you aren't going to potentially go hunt any longer uh-huh. and so you know a lot of people have started thinking outside the box so a lot of taxidermists um, are very well now equipped to handle replicas and so 3d taxidermy is going to become i think more and more prevalent i think people are going to start realizing it looks about the same. It feels about the same. People aren't going to see it as anything different. And uh, you can, you may even say that it's a replica, that you didn't bring the trophy home. You didn't need to bring the trophy home. I think one of the funniest things I've heard is out of Pakistan, actually. Some of the locals there say they'll give you the horns and they'll give you the skull and they'll give you the cape because the, it's the least important thing to them. They don't even want them. They're yeah. going to throw them away. Yeah. They just want the meat. That's all they want. Everything else goes in the trash. So if you want your horns, yeah, come, you, you can keep them. We're going to go in the trash anyway. So trophy hunting, you know, it, it really is a it's, a, it's a bastardized term that is used against the hunting community. It's being used in Colorado right now for mountain lions. And really, you know, at its at its core, it just means just selecting the most maturest male of the species. That's all it is. That's what that's that's the term trophy hunting, and it, you know, it's eventually, initially, it was used from a Boone and Crockett perspective to understand health in ecosystems. So the larger the the horn size or antler size, the larger the body size, all showed had indications indicators of an ecosystem getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And that's why you kept score. That's why Boone and Crockett uh, society exists, is to keep score of those animals to show how they have changed over time uh, to become better, become bigger, become more mature on the landscape, which means better regulations, healthier habitats, less human pressure on those animals. And so... Yeah, unfortunately, the trophy hunting connotation, and you know, to your surprise, I was talking about doll sheep, but they there is a there, there is a sort of connotation when someone says trophy hunting immediately to go to Africa, right? Mm. Elephants, lions, leopards, buffalo, whatever. It's it's all tied to Africa, um, and you know. It's the same scenario as, as if you're hunting a doll sheep. In South Africa, they see it as an economic asset, the wildlife, and you don't want to take anything but the maturest male out of the population because it's the least needed um, item in the population. I, I've got a podcast coming called, um, you know, why do we hunt old, old decrepit males from a hunting perspective? Why wouldn't you? It's the it's the exactly. it's the species. It's exactly the animal that you want to take from a hunting perspective that has negligible effects on the population. 
sometimes even it has positive effects because you're seeing some sort of, you know, in those big old large males, some sort of infanticide, which is killing of the cubs, killing of the, the young of certain species, specifically in bears and lions. Um, so that's what you want. And, you, you know, people say <laughs> that, you know, you hunters, you have no, you know, you have no respect for wildlife. You indiscriminately take wildlife. And it's like, no, it's completely the opposite. Like we're probably the, the most selective people when it comes to management of wildlife. Because at the end of the day, ask a hundred out of a hundred hunters, do you want to see more wildlife tomorrow or less wildlife tomorrow? Yeah, easy That's answer. <laughs> more. Yeah. That's it. Do you yeah. think the trophy hunting word, it's a semantics thing, as we've seen, you know, culture and and words change that we are not allowed to we shouldn't say anymore um, maybe our grandfathers use this terminology um is there a better word? nobody used that terminology your grandfather didn't use the terminology nobody says i'm going trophy hunting <laughs> exactly that's nobody. what yeah i know exactly so it's like should we create a, a better word that we can use so the, so the way that I've explained it to a vegan is this. I've explained the whole, like, old male population, whatnot. And I said, you know, actually, at the end of the day, the, we as hunters say, you know, hunting is conservation. And through, the, through the, the method of taking old males, that is you essentially conserving the population. So it's conservation hunting. That's the word that has been bantered mm. around to come out of Africa. The problem is yep. you cannot get rid of the trophy. You cannot get rid of trophy hunting. It's never going away. And so if you start saying conservation hunting, someone's just going, well, you're just, put, you're just, you're just changing the word and putting lipstick on a pig, yep. essentially. That's what they mean when you, if you want to change it. So you've got to just address it for what it is. And, you know, are you... A, are you the 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 issue is with you killing the animal and taking some part of the animal home with you in africa you can't bring the meat home you can't bring it to america usda aphis will not allow you to bring meat into the states so the meat's all used it's not like it goes to waste. It's not like it rots on the side of the land, uh, on the side of a mountain, sorry. Um, same in Colorado. You know, they say tro when you hunt mountain lions in Colorado, you're trophy hunting. Well, by definition, it's a big game species. And by law, you have to take the meat off the mountain. And so, essentially, you're using the meat. Um, Rich Fronin just posted a big trophy bear that he killed, that we got involved with in the last three or four days. And they're all up in arms because it's a trophy picture of Rich smiling behind a dead bear. Well, it's a bear as well. Bears just tend to send people into different orbits. Oh, um, for sure. From a That's comment perspective. And I said, well, what would you prefer? Would you, what if he, what if he had caped out that entire bear, laid the skin and all the meat and the skull and took a picture of him smiling? Would that be a better picture? Because mm. it's essentially the same thing. 
So it's, you know, from my perspective, obviously I'm in the, I'm in the trenches every single day. And I, it's almost like going back to your point about rhetoric and semantics. It's almost like you've got to ask those kinds of sort of step back type questions. You're like, okay, so you have a, you have an issue with the picture that he took. Would you have an issue with the picture if he did what I just said? Break it all down. Here's all the meat. Here's the cape. Here's the skull. Yeah, or a, or a picture grinding sausage, you know? I mean, would would you get that many people hating or high-fiving? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I want to continue on the bear on the bear topic and, and kind of bring in the whole thing about uh, bear personification mm -hmm. um, and its effects and history um, on, especially in American society. Um, I know that you brought this up before about, you know, Yogi bear and Smokey the bear and, and this idea that, that these animals are cuddly, um, teddy bears, um, and not, and looked as, as in a, in a sweet, innocent way compared to what reality is. And also the inability of people for people to understand that this is actually an animal that you can eat. Um, and is actually was in our early American history one of the key influential pieces of meat with the render of the oil to actually allow people to expand into the West. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start by taking a step back. I think all predators people have issue with, and there is a connotation that you do not eat another predator. Uh, mountain lions. People do not eat mountain lions. Even Some though of the best delicious. meat I've ever had. That's what I heard. I've never had it. I'm gonna, hopefully, we'll try it in the next year or so. Um, lions in Africa. Not many people eat lions, but there are certain communities that do. Not many people eat leopard, but leopard supposedly is just like mountain lion. Mm. But bears, you know, bears are big alpha predators. <laughs> People have a fascination with bears. You know, a lot of a lot of bears in our human society. You mentioned them: Yogi, Smokey, Winnie the Pooh. You cuddle the bear. Mm. So there's there's already built into the human psyche something around loving bears, and not that we don't love bears, we do. Um, but the side of bears that society has never seen is. And now that nature is metal is growing so big is that you're starting to see bears ripping, you know, calves and fawns apart alive. You know, they are alpha predators on the landscape. They're not, you know, yes, they eat berries and yes, they eat grass, but they eat meat. And there is a balance that is needed when dealing with any sort of predator management um, that you know, are, are after resources that are valued by humans. Uh, the predator being also a, a resource that is valued by humans. And so I don't think there's ever going to be a day where you, you, you know, society accepts a predator slash a bear like they do a deer or an elk. Mm. The, there's just a connotation about them yep. being in the same predatory class as us as humans. It's the same issue with wolves. There's just this thing about wolves and bears that the human psyche sees something of themselves in it. Uh, there's, you know, human values, familial values, 
hack values that people see in humans, in human society. And then there's also the competitiveness, right? We are alpha predators. Take, let's rewind the clock 500, 600, 800 years. Humans and bears and wolves were probably all, you know, and, you know, enemies, essentially, after the same food sources, even rewind the clock to 20,000 years. We were, we were in competition with alpha predators. And I don't think, you know, I don't, I'm not a paleontologist, I'm not an anthropologist, but I strongly believe that that competitiveness is somewhere buried deep down in who we are in our DNA and in our genetic makeup. And when we see, and that's why I think the wolf debate is so crazy, is that when we see a wolf, there's certain people in society that see them as competition. Mm. And you hate them, essentially. But there's other people in society that value them and respect them and see themselves in the wolf and they see the leader and they see the pack that he's that he is, you know, marching through the snow, helping them. They see themselves in it. And that's why there's this massive divide. Same thing with bears. I think the same thing happens. Yeah, it's a great breakdown of it. If you could put a percentage on the divide, what do you think it is? Mm, I would say 50-50. Of the people mm. that love predators and hate predators, I think it's 50-50. I think, look, and I That's think it, with everything it is, man, because you got to break. I, you know, we look, at, we look at society writ large in three columns. We have columns that the column that is hunters. That's probably a 7% to 10% column. Yes, there's 5%, quote-unquote, to the Fish and Wildlife Service of hunters on in America. That's all tied to license sales. But I would say that 10% of people probably associate themselves with hunting as hunters. I think you've got 10% of the population that are anti-hunting completely. Uh, there may even be smaller percentages than that. Um, and then you've got 80% in the middle. And I would say 80% in the middle, 40% of them are... I would even break the, the middle part into, into thirds. I think you've got a third that sees and, and views hunting slightly positively. You've got a third that sees and views hunting slightly negatively. And then you've got a third in the middle that I was a part of when I was in South Africa, which have an absolute neutral opinion about hunting. Couldn't care less. Doesn't really affect me. I don't really think about it. Um, but those are the, that middle 30%, is going to be the middle that sees a, you know, a poaching video of a black bear and go, oh my God, look at those hunters. That's despicable. Mm -hmm. And sway into the slightly negative perception of hunting. Or mm -hmm. see a video of ours that shows a community benefiting because of hunting and the smiles and the joy and the fat dribbling down their chins and go, oh, that's great. We should have more of that. That'd be a great a graphic. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> to, okay. to see that breakdown. Like the pie chart? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should build it. I think I'll build it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should build that. That would be that. pretty cool. And then, then it would kind of almost even focus is like, okay, so these this percentage here is, you know, the movable percentage. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say this. The other, so... Whenever we get tagged, we get tagged into, you can imagine the stuff that we get tagged into today. 
but we get tagged into huge accounts like you know six and a half million instagram accounts jason momoa's um i think that was a 30 million account he may be more than that dan belizarin has like 38 million when he posted the thing about you know i can't believe people hunt these for sport mm. and whenever we're trying whenever we engage in that those types of accounts we're never going to try and, and change the mind of the person that's in that account because they're probably in that 10% we don't like hunting part. Yeah, their mind's been up, made up. Yeah. But I know 100,000 people are about to watch, read my comment and they're about to read how I engage people who come against me and come against us and attack us and whatnot. That's why you see whenever you watch us and you and you see how we interact and how we respond, we're very, very respectful and we're very gentlemanly in how we respond. We're also very honest. We're very blunt and like, yes, you're right. This is not a good image. A big, white, fat American dude smiling behind a line. Not great. I agree with you. But let me tell you how much money he just spent and how much money just went into the community. Mm. So forget about his motivation for a second. Because I can't change his motivation, but do you agree that helping the school is a good thing? And so, a hundred thousand people watching it, I probably have planted ten thousand seeds. Again, that may not germinate right then and there, but may germinate in the future to being slightly positive in terms of their opinion and narrative around hunting. My problem, as an executive director of a nonprofit trying to raise money. They're like, well, what's your impact? <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. Mm. Wow. Because it's only going to tell in like the ballot boxes or when a legislation gets put forward or when a positive news article comes out about hunting or X or Y. Did I have a, a part in that? I would hope so. Yeah. I you think, I think I so. I can't tell you that. Well, like you said, you're planting seeds, so you won't. You sometimes you won't know for years if that fruit's going to come off of that 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 tree that grew in whatever part of the country or nation or world right. that 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 affected that one person. That's right. Well, and the beauty is, Robbie, you guys are doing something about it. That's the coolest part because we can sit around here and gas bag all day about making changes and doing stuff, but. Um, with the amount of attention you guys have, it's got to be making a difference. You already yeah. got something about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And look, we're just, and again, I think we're just beginning, and I think we're just getting started. We are, we're growing every single day. Every single platform that we engage in is growing every single day. We're not the, I keep, I like this analogy in that we're not the shiniest car in the garage. We're not the fastest car in the garage either. But we are the most reliable, most persistent vehicle you will ever start. We start every morning and we just plod along up the mountain every single day. And it's a 24-7, 365 job. Like, it doesn't matter because people don't realize, you know, it's the weekend. Australia, it's not the weekend. On Sunday, it's Monday already in Australia yeah. and they're hammering you. So... We've got, you know, we've got a very, as I said, we've got a big global fingerprint and we're proud of that and we're going to continue to expand it. And, but that means that it just, you know, everybody is, everybody is reaching out to us on every single medium that you can imagine. 
all the time. Well, I think that the I think that the proof is there just in like just in the fact that so, I mean some of the guests that you've had like I just listened to the your podcast with Eric Jackson and I mean that's a great that was a great podcast because that there you have a guy who doesn't come from a hunting background he like none of his friends got him into it he just he just chose to do it because he wanted to source sustainable good quality protein for his family yeah yeah and a great you know non-hunting community yeah that he is now portraying hunting into in a great light which is that's that that's more of the people that need and i and that was awesome that you know he has that celebrity power and he was able to get sidka behind him and do a film because it does show i think we need more of those people making videos so we're not getting the bad light all the time yeah and i think look we're we're one degree of freedom away from monster names that just i know you've got ideas for we've got ideas for content i've got this one line of content that i hope we'll pilot in 2024 and maybe kick off like really strong in 2025 it's called the introduction and so we know i know very very influential people right now whoever right so um say it's rich froner hey rich I want you to introduce hunting to someone else in your circle that's super influential. Hmm. And then let's film it and let's tell their why and let's get their story out. So it's like, okay, one of the things with Rich is, you know, who's the biggest CrossFit name? You know, should we get a, a Jason Kalipa who's just a bigger name as he is and say Rich and Jason you go hunt together. We'll film. We're not interested in the, the hunt itself. We're just interested in Jason's why of why he's decided to go from a hunter to a non-hunter and expose that to his community. Yep. Same thing. And so that, you know, that could be a Jack Carr taking Chris Pratt hunting yeah. for the first time. That's how close we are to like huge, huge, huge yeah. names. And especially the way that we film and the way that we broadcast message and the way that we we attack things, I think those bigger names will be comfortable doing it because they know we're not going to show it in a way that they're like, "Ooh, that's going to be cringy," right? Or, yeah. "Oh man, I don't want to see any kill shots. I don't want to see any blood. I don't want them. I don't want my community to see it." And I was like, "Well, that's not what we're interested in." They know you're hunting. Here's the, you know, and that's the other thing we've taken is that we know we hunt, and inherent to hunting is killing. Do we really need to show? Um... Uh, that's a great idea. You're showing the story behind the story, the the why of yeah. the story. Yeah. Because everyone already knows how it ends. You're really showing the beginning and focusing on the beginning. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think that. Um, well, I mean, I think that's exactly how I. Well, that's how I met you, and that's how I found out about Blood Origins was through basically um you know someone like bert having the wherewithal and thought process of being like hey i live in these two different worlds that are very similar in the personalities that are in both of them are very like 
motivated, driven, type A type personalities, but they're not, they don't intersect. And then he created Winter Strong. And then, and that's exactly what you have. You have people there who are probably have never hunted, maybe never even picked up a firearm or a bow or anything. And then now they're doing it. Or yeah. maybe there's probably quite a few vegans, I would imagine, that have gone there and maybe eaten meat for the first time in a really long time because it was game and, you know, they can get behind that a little more than they can, like, industrial cows. Well, one of the greatest things that's come out of Winterstrom for me is Jen Wiederstrom and the relationship that I now have with Jen because Jen commented on a post that I got tagged into, which which was a monster crocodile, big trophy picture of a monster crocodile. And whenever I get tagged into some of those kinds of posts, I'll make my comment and then I'll scroll down to see who I know is commenting. And I may even say something or I'll private DM them and whatnot. And I saw Jen had commented and she had commented absolutely atrocious or absolutely disgusting or something like that. And I'll DM to her, I said, Jen, I actually know the person who killed this crocodile. And I know for a fact that when they opened up its stomach, it had six pairs of shoes in its stomach. This was a known man-eater, and it was taken out. She was like, oh, my God, I had no idea. Why didn't they tell me that? Why didn't they tell us that in their post? I said, Jen, it's an anti-hunting charity organization. They're not going to tell you the truth. And I said, well, let's, let's meet, let's chat, and I want to tell you more about like the truth around hunting. And so we met at Winter Strong. We connected had a great conversation. Then she came on my podcast and we literally, if you want to listen to a good podcast, we did just a Q&A and it wasn't a Q&A like I knew the questions. I told Jen, I said, you come to the podcast, any question, you lay it on me and I'll answer it for you right then and there. And she collaborated with us on the post. Uh, so exposed her entire community to, you know, discussing how hunting is, is wildlife conservation. And it was amazing. And now Jen's like one of our biggest advocates. Yeah. Because she found out the truth. And that's the voting demographic that we need to turn. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why what you're doing is so important. And I I push, these guys know I'm always pushing blood origins and howl on everybody (laughs) up here because I'm like, hey, man, like I get it. We all are busy. We don't have time to be involved in politics. And I was like, but politics is going to get involved in you. And so like, as we get older and you know, we want to be stewards of this and Alaska and the U S and freedom and everything that we say we stand for, we have to make some sort of a contribution, I think. And even if it's just awareness. Yeah. That's where it starts. So it's definitely much appreciated what you're doing no i appreciate you appreciate the kind words yeah it's amazing man do you have plans to come to alaska uh we actually started a documentary in alaska that we need to finish um you have a you had a very famous bird taxidermist uh who died his name was henry springer and he's probably he had probably the largest bird taxidermy collection in the world Mm. And um, we filmed him. We filmed his wife. We didn't film him. He had died already. He died of throat cancer. Um, And the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, he was in a sting operation with them called Operation Journey. And it's a fascinating, absolutely fascinating topic. And 
one of the cruxes of the the documentary is Fish and Wildlife Service said to him, "You don't have the H one seven H one seven ones or something like that, which is your import permit documentation for bringing in animals into the states." Mm. And in a cell phone video that we have, he's gotten all the documents back from Fish and Wildlife Service, and there's a box that says H one seven ones. He's like, see, here's all the documents. They're right here. They told me I didn't have them. They're right here. And he pulls the document out, and then we have the document of the exact bird that they caught him on, which is a Peruvian torrent duck. And they said they didn't, he didn't have the H171, whatever it is. And we had it in our hands. We filmed it and everything. So that's, that's, the, only, that's, that's the, uh, the, the Alaska right now that I have. Um, no other plans. I need to come up. I've got a couple of friends there now, and um, got to figure out how to potentially hunt. But I'm I'm time poor lately, unfortunately. I don't get to hunt. Yeah. Therein <laughs> <laughs> yeah. lies the challenge, man. Yep. Not enough time in yep. the day. That's right. Um, can you let us know what, in your opinion? Um, I know we've had you for a while, and you got your family dinner coming up. Um, what possibly is the biggest future issue? to come that we should maybe see that maybe it's on the horizon that we should be looking for now. Colorado is the battleground for the next 13 months. Mm. Okay. If Colorado passes, if the ballot initiative passes to ban hunting of mountain lions and bobcats, then it'll go to every state in the West. Like they'll, it's the gateway. Um, and I'll say this, I've never been more positive about how the hunting community has come together. Um, I was on a call with maybe 60 or 70 individuals from all echelons, all corners of the industry. And it was like, whoa, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Hmm. And it's no joke. Everyone is taking it very seriously. We're attacking it the way that an anti-hunting organization would attack it. Uh, but from the hunting side, strategy, PR, marketing, demographics, political demographics, understanding who the target audience is, who do we need to change, how many points do we need to change them by, you name it. And, and you know, luckily, Colorado's already had a test case, which is the wolves that they lost. Yeah. And a lot of lessons were learned in that endeavor. And those lessons are being applied to this ballot initiative. So Colorado is... Is front and center, man. It's the next thirteen months. That's where the battleground is. How could the average person get involved and be helpful? I would say reach out to anybody you know in Colorado and, and just give them education, give them information that will educate them and educate their circles. Mm. Okay, on the local front. Yeah, because you know if they win that. That arm wrestling battle, it just is a downhill slide after that, right? That's the biggest fear, yeah, right, Yeah, New Mexico Robbie? would be next. Yeah. New Mexico would mm -hmm. be next. Arizona would be next. Um, you know, Colorado, uh, not Colorado, but um, Utah or Washington State, oh. Oregon, that try and push it in Utah. Those would be tougher states, like the Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana. Those would be tougher states. you got to look at the more, you know, bluer states. Oregon and Washington, for sure. But mm -hmm. Oregon, Washington state california's already banned them new mexico arizona definitely new mexico would be next on the on the chopping block for sure mm. colorado is, is the proving ground new mexico would be next 
Well, it's yeah. good to know, man. Yeah, we don't want uh, people telling us what we can and can't do there. Yep. Well, and not and then just going against science. I mean, that's the yeah yeah that's the big issue with it is exactly. that they're not, they're doing it all emotionally instead mm-hmm. of through science biology. Um, I got a social media question, uh, Robbie. Has have they ever tried to um, shadow ban your account um, or close your account down because what you're doing, the work that you're doing? I know that's happened to a lot of people. I know it happened to a friend of ours just with his knife um, forging company. They try to shut a bunch of those down. Have you had any experience with any of that? So. I'll, I'll say no, and then I'll talk about the example that you just described. We are, you know, from what Blood Origins posts, we don't post anything really controversial, if you look at what we post. And that's very, very purposeful, right? We're not posting kill shots. We're not posting any of that kind of stuff. We don't post a lot of guns. We don't, we're not very, we're very germane. So in the last 48 hours, 56 hours, what you're referring to is that all the knife makers, a lot of hunting community people got hit with your content cannot be recommended in Instagram. We got hit. Blood Origins Canada got hit. And I was like, what? What's going on here? And so I looked at mine and a lot of, and here's where I, I think it was a glitch. I think mm. Instagram glitched. I think someone hit the wrong button. And then there was an algorithmic like connection between a bunch of different people. And that's what flagged everyone. Okay. And here's why I say it. A lot of people say, Oh no, Robbie, you know, it was a soft prod. It was a soft touch. It was like, uh, this is what's coming. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. I I'm rooted in science and data and I let that drive my decision-making process. And so when I saw a lot of people being flagged, and all of those people that were being flagged had five posts that they were flagged on. I had five. Blood Origins Canada had five. Chad Mendes had five. Mm. Michael Hunter from Canada had five. I was like, hmm, that's a little coincidental that we all had five. Yeah. Not just two, three, eight, ten. And when you looked at the posts, they were very benign. Yeah. Like my post that got flagged was two females smiling. And the Michael Hunter had a, a squash called up for, you know, violating the guidelines. It was super, super benign and random. And so, and then within 24 hours. It was fixed. It was, it was all fixed. Everyone was back to normal. Yeah. And I was like, uh, and, you know, a lot of people, again, will have said to me, it was a precursor. They were testing mm. the waters to see how much pushback they got. Mm. Maybe. I don't have the data to prove that. All I have is what I saw. And what I saw was a very coincidental that everyone had the same number of posts. Some accounts actually got flagged, like the entire account. Um, and maybe that was more of the knife makers. I don't know. And I couldn't appeal. Like, I could appeal... And then it would gray out. And then within 10 minutes, I could appeal again. And it would gray out. And within 10 minutes, I could appeal again. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't appeal anymore. So that was weird as well to me. And then back. So, but yeah, to the big question, no, we don't get flagged. We don't get, we've never had anything in any of the social media circles of us being shadow banned or 
anything like that. You know, when people say they get shadow banned and their their likes and engagement goes down, um, I, I've never really worried about it because our content is so diverse. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think our engagement is so low is that we have such a diverse audience that when they see like the Africa stuff, we have a certain part of our audience that loves the Africa stuff and they engage the Africa stuff. Yeah. When we do Turkey stuff, there's a very small segment of our, of our engagement that deals with Turkey stuff. And so you're of a, of a spectrum of 180 degrees, we may be hitting only a 20 degree sliver, 30 degree sliver every single time we post. Versus a John Dudley, who it's archery specific. His entire following is archery specific, and he gets eighty percent of the engagement every time. Yeah. Again, that's that just my sense. just rational data-driven science brain. But it's still worrisome that at the push of a button, an entire oh, for sure. an entire conversation could be shut down. Yeah, but look, let's let's be. I was actually thinking about this in the last twenty four hours, forty eight hours. What if Instagram went away tomorrow? We were just talking I about that we, too. Yeah, we would figure out. We would figure out something. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'd and pivot. We'd go back to old school methods. We'd go back to blogs. We'd go back to websites. We'd go back to ad, you know something would change. It, it's a part of society, man. Things change. You've yeah. got to adapt or overcome or just you know. That's just part of life. Um, in your previous statement, we, we up here, we have a lot of listeners from Canada. Um, and I know that there's several, several issues. Is there any th updates or something that you can kind of give us some sort of hope uh, for the people that are living in Canada with all the issues that have been going on over there? Yeah, you know, the, the government, you know, they did that whole like putting out the grizzly bear plan in BC. And, you know, there was a there was a lot more pressure brought this this time around than the last time. And I think the Canadian politicians and government felt that, even though the response we got, well, we're not opening that up for discussion right now. Okay. But your voices were heard. And I think when the election comes around next year and things start moving and shaking and people start, you know, talking about it again, who knows, man? Who knows if grizzly bear hunting comes back? I think specifically with the First Nations people and their push to get grizzly hunting back, I think there's a good opportunity for it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it may come sooner than I would anticipate, but I think you're going to start seeing, you're going to start seeing some positive steps from hunting organizations and hunting communities versus always being on the back foot. Um, you know, you've got people like the IOTR crowd, which is the new new kid on the block. They came out of Chicago Safaris. I don't know if you've heard about them. It's the International Order for T. Roosevelt. And one of their missions is to, uh, to put into state legislature the right to hunt and fish. Happening in Florida. It's happening in Ohio. It's happening in Michigan. Um, you know, imagine if Colorado had a, a, run, a right to hunt and fish. Didn't they get it passed in, in Florida, like, right? Montana or I thought Florida. They passed. got it passed in Florida yeah. to get on the ballot for next year. Okay. There's there's different processes in different states. So it'll be part of the state constitutions. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And that and seems so that seems like they're playing they're playing um offense. Yeah. It's an offensive yeah. move. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're being, I, I like the, the movement has gone a lot more proactive than reactive. Yeah. And it's going to get more and more. Like we just said, again, at the beginning of everything, we're at the beginning of a how.org. Imagine what how looks like in five years or 10 mm-hmm. years time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we start saying, okay, well, let's get freaking trapping back in New Mexico. Yeah. Let's do it. You know? It's very encouraging. Yeah. It's very encouraging. It is. And it's, again, it kind of falls all back to awareness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it gets back to awareness. And, and again, my job is to put information in in the brains of you three so that the next time you're having a dinner conversation, next time you're in social media and you see a comment X or comment Y, you're like, oh, Robbie said this. I feel confident enough to have an intelligent conversation with someone and say, hey, I actually think it's like this because I heard, you know, this and this and I saw this, this and this. Same thing in social media. What we're doing is we're giving you information. That's number one. But I think we're giving you the confidence to engage. We're giving you the confidence to say, I know enough about this topic that I can engage. Mm. Yeah, the talking points. Yep. The tools. Yep. Just handing you the tools. Well, thank you, Robbie. Thank you for for coming on and spending your, your Sunday with us. Um, and for all the work that you've done and, and, and will continue to do. And, and for anyone that's listening, um, Blood Origins is the podcast. You can find it on Apple and Spotify. And um, Blood Origins is also the Instagram channel. Um, is there any other uh, plugs that people can should check out? Yeah, just bloodorigins.org is our website. You can find all our conservation projects. You can find pretty much everything on that website. Um, Google Blood Origins. Um, and lastly, what I'd say is if anybody is interested in supporting us, um, we have a, a supporters program that you can win a bunch of really cool stuff every single uh, month. Um, and it's for the cost, of a cof- the cost of a cup of coffee a month. Three bucks is our lowest membership entry. Not even a, it's not even a membership. It's three bucks to just join. But you can give four, you can give five, you can give ten, you can give twenty bucks a month. It's the cost of a cup of coffee at Starbucks or... Whatever you know, whatever coffee company you like to get your coffee at, yeah, um, and yeah, it really cheap. helps us do what we do every single day. Awesome, yeah, awesome. Thank you, thank you very much, um, oh, yeah. Robbie, and and go enjoy your family there, and, and thank you for the audience for listening and for you for taking your time with us. We appreciate you. No, thank you guys, much appreciated. Yeah, hope yeah. to see you at a uh, Winter Strong, and um, maybe we can plan on getting you up here some point on a hunt. Yeah, we'll be uh, actually debuting Lionheart at Winter Strong. The oh, Colorado awesome. Lion film. It's going to be at Winter Strong. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you, Robbie, for your time uh, uh, spent with us this afternoon and um, everything you're doing, your, your positive energy and influence on hunting culture. Uh, keep it up. You're very, um, you know, you're, you're making, I think you're going to make a lot of people excited about getting into this. And uh, thank you very much for everything. Thank you, boys. All right. Bye.
Big Ray's the Alaskan Outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Ray's has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. At Big Ray's, you'll find brands like Carhartt, Brundens, Darn Tough, FXD, Okiwear, and more. Big Ray's is your one-stop shop for both outdoor gear and rugged work attire. Check out their new exclusive line of durable but affordable waders, inspired by and named after the majestic Aralik River in remote western Alaska. The Aralik wader was designed by Alaskans and proven for the diverse waters of the last frontier. Visit Big Ray's at any of their five locations statewide, two in Anchorage, two in Fairbanks, one in Kodiak, or check them out online at BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration, helping Alaskans turn disasters into new beginnings since 1972. Their 24-hour services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, and repairs. Tailored built its reputation with years of committed and reliable service to the community with innovative restoration and home remodeling. When you have an unexpected home issue at the most improbable time, Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day or night. Tailored Restoration has locations to serve you in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Give them a call at 907-344-1239 or make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and Overlander products. If you want to customize your vehicle, talk to the team at Total Truck where you'll find their expertise along with top brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, Eye Camper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Lining Bed Liners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Want to turn your truck into a sleeping option? They have rooftop tents, custom camping equipment, electronics, and solar energy packages to keep you powered up deep in the backcountry. Stop by their store location on Dowling between the new and old Seward Highway or check them out at TotalTruckAK.com. <laughs> that was really cool, dude. Robbie's a, Robbie's a rad guy. You could just feel the, um, like the passion in his voice. Mm-hmm. Well, it's crazy that um, he's like taking this on, and um, that he really wasn't really uh, like he didn't grow up in hunting. Like yeah. it's like his heritage, and he's like not he even saying, like a big hunter. But he's like into oh. it. No, he's like mm-hmm. newer kind of. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. Which is, I mean, it's just yeah, it's cool. It's important to have those those people who are dedicated do it like the amount of time that these guys put into this stuff like all these organizations it's crazy well i'm amazed that he had to go the nonprofit route and didn't have all these huge companies trying to back him yeah because i yeah right because he's they, fighting because the they, fight for your own company the 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 less hunters and the less people that are doing this the less people are going to buy your shit yeah but you know it's but when you when you celebrity when you celebrity that you sell more fucking yeti cups or you know whatever that's the that's the that's the messed up part about it right it's like uh it's like being a teacher it's like all that it's like under appreciated yeah, undervalued socially. Very, very undervalued. And monetarily. Yeah. 
And so, like, they don't want to. And now, I bet you, there's a lot of those companies that are like, "Shit, we should have got on board." Yeah, but now they oh, probably definitely. can by yeah. donating nonprofitly. You just don't see the name. Yeah, yeah, and then and now you know they missed they missed that boat. And uh, shoot, that's probably a better return. Yeah, on their investment to go a nonprofit route. Yeah, it's all tax tax write off. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. It's good. I'm glad he took the. Yeah, we need an attorney to uh, if someone's listening out there. Give us the full uh, English version of what all that means. <laughs> yeah, the dummy, <laughs> the the nonprofit way for dummies. Down, way down. <laughs> yeah, like we a paragraph that. or less. Like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No words bigger than seven letters. <laughs> you do this, that, and that. Okay, I think we can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one to navigate. Well, what's really cool about, um, like, learning about how other organizations operate is through this networking platform and the podcasting is is cool because, like, we'll start a podcast. Cool, and then figure it out as you go and then you start hearing about how all these other operations work and you would never really know or get involved unless we started here yeah. so it's huge man and the good thing the cool thing about podcasts like we brought up the you know the shadow banning and all this shit like oh yeah podcast is like the last frontier dude you can just say you could have a podcast about anything you want and say yeah. anything you want about anyone yeah, and, and there is absolutely zero um, f- fat checking. There's zero like, yeah, what this guy say? Like you're not yeah. allowed to say that word. You know, there's none of that. It's it's uh, what can until, I tell you until you're like under a contract, and even then, right? Like, um, you know, they tried to get rid of uh, Rogan. It just made him even more popular. Well, I mean, who was who was it? Who was the big? Um, artist that was like hey oh like you two or you you either no it wasn't (laughs) that's who you would expect but no it was like um fuck how am i forgetting it's a like classic rock oh for spotify or yeah um, it was spotify yeah yeah, yeah. he he came forward and was like you either get rid of rogan on spotify or that's right take or take my music off that's right and they were like okay (laughs) and they took his music off (laughs) They're like, dude, we just signed like an eighty million dollar deal with fucking Joe Rogan. Yeah, look and I forget who it is. Brandon, what it says. Well, well, you want me to look it up? Yeah, I wonder who that was. But there was a few. It's right? a huge name in rock and roll history. Yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm just blanking it right now. But it was like, yeah, it's great. It's crazy how, how people like get furious over stuff. But he's like, and I think like how he's talking about wolves like that's the one like wolves doesn't ever like when people are like anti against like neil, wolf hunting, neil young yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that one doesn't ever surprise me because it's like you know everyone has a dog so the wolf thing yeah. the bear one is like i never understand why like i mean i went through that because i saw what he posted about the whole rich frowning thing and i was like dude i gotta i gotta see this because i've heard you know, Rogan said that like he posted a bear one time and just got murdered. He's like, dude, don't you want to ruin your Instagram? Just post yeah. a dead bear. And so I ha- I went through the comments, dude, and it was like there was people saying some pretty oh yeah yeah like, horrific. Uh, we should, we shit. should chop you up. I hope it. your yeah, kids yeah. get eaten by yeah. a bear in front of you yeah. and you live to watch it. And like, I mean, dude, just 
Well, I think the best way is to like, okay, they set these parameters to this game of social media and just stay within those parameters. You already know you're going to be out of bounds if you show this guy with a lion or this guy with a giraffe or, you know, definitely bears. And, you know, just so you know. But I bet you if you show your open freezer with all that bear meat already packaged, it's going to be like, yeah, right on. Yeah. Oh, you guys want yeah. to see my trophy room? Yeah. Just open the freezer. Yeah, it's a bunch of meat. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, I, I I, really commend the people that, you know, guides and, and other hunters that post the shit out of those dead bears. Yeah, I do. I like to proudly. see it. I'm just like, man, like, fucking A, dude. Like, we can't do that, unfortunately. We can. It's a choice. We can do whatever we want, but parameters you said earlier right we're just going to ride in the lane that we feel is in our best interests right Mm -hmm. um image has something to do with that so but it's cool to see other people saying fuck it and doing it anyway i love it yeah because you need those people well because we've all done it and we know what it's like in the hunt and the conservation aspect of it and finding a big old male and and part of the predatory you know management of other resources that we want to hunt like there's a lot there's so much more that goes to it and that's what i see when i see a post yeah you know i still think that there could be a good word that you could say to eliminate trophy yeah but this is my but i think he but he's got a really good point (laughs) with that is that they're not going to give that word up eventually they will so what look we, at time we look at time in a matter of time like our we're saying it then our kids are saying it and then their friends are hearing it and then here you go in 20 years trophy hunt is not even a word it's and, now whatever and you know what what really like it fucking irks me to, to hear this word trophy hunting my whole life growing up just good old blue collar family just got our moose hunter caribou hunting every year never anyone did anybody ever say one time in camp, we're out here trophy hunting? Like, no, I no, never no. even heard that ever. No. Well, no one would well, even look like, at that on the wall and be like, nice trophy. <laughs> no, no one would, no say would ever that. even use that word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's but it true. got hijacked. It got hijacked. Got just hijacked. like a lot of words and things that you can and cannot say within the last 10 years. I think that's what you do. I think that's what you do. He's just like, you, uh. We just take the word back by like, we post our own trophy hunting pictures, and, it's just and like, then we label it that like trophy hunting, and then it's not that. a picture of that well, at what, all. What, what, <laughs> it's if like you, were, you stuck in the side by side, winching out. Yeah, <laughs> you back. You're the heavy backpack, just soaked in sweat, dying. Oh shit! To, like just help. Chain, changing two blown out tires on the trailer yeah, on the yeah. side of the highway. Come on, yeah. man! Like trophy hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Just out here collecting horns. That's all. That's all we're doing, right? Yeah. Man, it, yeah. I was. I thought earlier. I was listening to you. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. But oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking like, what if you were? What if we just all shot female animals? Yeah. So there was no antlers. There was no trophy. Um, specific. Well, then there wouldn't be intention. any intention. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So would would you be like want, yeah. you? But you were. Hey, I'm shooting yeah. this cow moose for the meat. Fair, yeah. fair. Because subsistence way, you would be able to do that anyway. 
Yeah. But what if like the you what if you couldn't shoot the old males? You couldn't shoot bulls. You couldn't shoot, you know, big sheep or whatever. And 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 you were posting pictures of those. Would you be a trophy hunter at that point? Well, he had a good fact. He had a good point that yeah. it was kind of invented with the Africa thing, which were a lot of those. There's no, there's no antlers or horns on a lion or a. Yeah, well, and another thing is you can't bring your meat home, so you're like coming home with the trophy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's how I got. That's the horns. Like you can't can't bring the zebra meat home. Yeah, but what's really cool about those kills is all that meat goes to a local village, like on the spot, like immediately goes to feed family and children and shit. So like all of it, all of it. I mean, that's that's what's really cool about those. Those harvests on those animals is, man, they're definitely going, like, we still can be as guilty as anybody harvesting some meat and having a little bit of extra freeze burn in the back corner and be like, damn, man, I lost four or five pounds of meat and yeah. being wasteful, right? But Oh, I don't the, waste the, it. I just cook it, give it to the dog. Well, you know what I mean. Like, whatever that case is. Um, I'll tell you what, my dog loves trophies. She's love trophy meat. <laughs> yeah, she'd be. I have my stuff on the wall. Like mm, that's a big snack up there. Because we've been feeding her like the antlers, and now they have like oh, yeah. when you go to the dog store, dude, yeah. they got so many cool elk, like antlers. elk, moose. You can get caribou. You can get specific as horns. you want, dude. You can get all horns. made here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all of it. Yeah. So I've been like, oh, let me see what she likes. This moose. Some she likes horns. them all, dude. But now I see her like. Looking don't up don't at the wall, don't dude. Let the caribou fall. I'll chat with her in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brandon's dogs, um, my son's dog has, because uh-huh. uh, he chews on a, like a, like, I don't know, like domestic sheep, sheep. horn. Yeah. And I have that um, deadhead horn, single horn that I have. It's on like on my, it's on my coffee table. Oh. So it just like sits there as like a centerpiece on the coffee table. It's just one removed doll sheep horn that we found yeah deadhead and she's she's gone for it a couple Licking times it, yeah. sniffing it yeah she's like man this one's way bigger than the one <laughs> i got <laughs> they're just internal instincts like, yeah. are just like i feel like i need to gnaw on that she, yeah. I, she, but it is on the table she knows I'm supposed not, to get up yeah, there she knows so she knows that she's like but i've seen her tooth it a couple times <laughs> well and it has a smell that yeah I'm you've sure. gotten past that she's pinging Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, they can yeah. Sp- I can't smell, smell a that, thing like, on it, but just mm. the minimis, minuscule rotten smell, they can still just like, yeah, something just, in there. Yeah, it's still there. She's like, I know. A little back Without even t- tasting that, I know that thing is. I like to have me. one of those guys on that does all that because I'm curious what they must do something to them. Do they just boil them and then recoat them? Oh, like or do they just. No, like when you go get the snacks at like Alaska Mill and Feed or whatever, oh. and they have like the caribou. It doesn't look like the one I brought home. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, cleaned up they, somehow. Yeah, they must treat it right. Yeah, with something, or get, I don't know what it keep is. Keep it from bacteria. Cook it stuff. to a certain point, and then I don't know. I'm sure, it's getting boiled, probably. Yeah, but it's a lot of them still have like some natural color to it, and I'm like, is that natural color, or is that like they like. Paint it, paint it on the peanut yeah, butter flavor, might. and then summer's like, oh, brown dye number seven. <laughs> yeah, no, but some of it's, it's like, like co- it's coated with some edible. Yeah, yeah, some thing. of them have flavored for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like, like salmon a, a flavored, like a flavored you know, moose, moose antler. You know, it's yeah, like, but it's a real moose antler, and it's just well, a dude, shit, and they'd probably. be taxing if you knew, dude. I might start just cutting. This is twenty bucks, bro. 
my buddy this little J- thing my like buddy this. my buddy Jake I had a guy okay lives in uh so I had a guy hit me up dude cuz I was selling the my trailer yeah. he's like how much for cause, and I just had like a couple caribou racks in the back just yeah. there's in the yard and he's like trying to buy the shit I was like that's not for sale dude Yeah uh J- my boy Jake hit me up when he saw that I was uh going uh on elk hunt and he was just like hey man if you um I know you're going to keep your antlers, but if you find like sheds, can, would you, can you bring those back? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I think there might be a rule. You might not be able to fly them in an airplane. I don't know. I was like, I'm not sure. But uh, he was like, well, if you can, dude, will you please like bring one back and like sell it to me? And I was like, for what? And I didn't know about the whole thing. He's like, he sent me a picture. He's like, same thing. He's like, bro, this is like twenty five dollars. Yeah, it's like a six inch piece of an elk antler. And they eat the. Thing he's like, my, he's like, my dogs go love these things. He's yeah. like, dude, you'd save me. Like, he's like, I'll give you like four hundred bucks for like an elk shit. I was like, oh, I don't think I'm allowed to sell it, but I'll just give it to you if I find one. You are. I we I was talking to um jeff lund from the um St- on step podcast when i was on a show like a year ago talking about that like people that's a legit businesses that people have in the states selling elk oh you can't that's where they go and they that's why hunters. they go shit hunters so they can go sell it yeah whether it's for art or whether it's for some sort of animal or dude you know, we should do that pay for our hunts with shed sales dude i i don't find as many sheds as i used to no i don't either with the first couple of years, we found. Well, you got about enough. fifteen in your shed back there. Well, like boys, <laughs> that's a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get into that? Yeah, let's not talk about that. It's like, why you got to bring up old shit? <laughs> no, I mean, this is weird. The area in the last ten years depleted of all those sheds. I thought you would it would get like replenished yeah. every year. Like, I've seen ton of sheds. Well, I never pick them up and bring them home, but there now. There's lots of caribou. I just need to find out how to. I never run into the areas. The only time that we were in the Besna that COVID year when Nate and I were Mm. on the plateau on the mesa up there, and uh, man, we ran into like obviously wintering ground for that forty mile herd because it was there was caribou sheds everywhere. Mm. I bet you could sell them to the guy who's making this stuff. Hundreds, and I just didn't think anything about it. Well, we have an idea now, boys. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Do some just when you see one of those, just be like every six inches is $20. 20, 30, 40, 50. You get to carrying a couple of those things that get real heavy. Yeah, but when it's training. carrying money. It's training. There you go. And you're, being, and you're getting paid. Yeah. Because you're going to sell it. It's not like that. I mean, hind co- loose hindquarter that's breaking your back, that you're turning your. Just compressing your L5. Yeah, you're getting hemorrhoids <laughs> and a. <laughs> broken spine <laughs> and you that can't sell none of just it. cracking open a little bit more <laughs> yeah now nah, we're gonna get one of those people on and ask them one of the people <coughs> that do that stuff shed hunter there's got to be something that, we need a shed hunter it's got to pass some sort of like food yeah does dog stuff have yeah to? man yeah i'm sure it's it does asserted. yeah some sort yeah, of certification think. i mean they got tags and recipe like stuff that's in it they have to pass some sort of something committable because yeah. technically a human could eat that. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing. You got tougher teeth than me, apparently. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we'll find out about this guy. And if you know, actually, anyone listening, if you do know how that works, I'm very curious. Yeah. Because I'm sitting on like at least $600 worth of snacks. (laughs) 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 Trying to to buy a new rifle scope, people. (laughs) No, I'll just save it for the dog. I just need to know how to cure it up. We do need a scope, man. We got that 300 short mag that we got at the the sheep bank. We still need to get a scope for that. Well, this year we'll win the scope. Okay. Okay. Dude, that's a good gun for someone to be shooting that gun. That's a great yeah. round. Yeah, I mean, it was just really kind of the start of a, a co-op, you know, deal. That is we that what do. we're gonna do with our our the Sheep Foundation wins is co-op it. You just we could do that. Yeah. Just it can well, all we, just we be available to tell on the table. Matt that his stuff has been co-opted. What did Matt? His win? old winnings. Well, yeah. That shit's probably already been sold. That, you got you got an uphill battle trying to no, get no, price no. On that, that if you want to sit at our table, oh, yeah, co-op, yeah, co-op you're, table. You're signing up for yep. it's full co-op. Alaska Wild Project co-op it's table. Sco- it's, it's a That's scope what we do. A pack. Like, yeah. Okay, you sit with us, but yep, gotta throw it in the pot. Yep, all of it, all of it. What did Matt win? <laughs> he went fucking everything, dude. Jesus, yeah, dude. This guy he won like a cooler, big, a jacket, Kyle, a knife. Big Kyle wins, a, wins a nice right uh, firearms. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Now we know the plan. <laughs> we just stop <laughs> fighting those guys. That? Yeah. Well, Kyle's gone now, so yeah, he'll fly up for it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would. Actually, he just, he just probably, shows up. <laughs> he probably would. If we tell him now, he probably would. The gigantic joint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh well thank you guys for listening um hope you enjoyed that uh i know that some of the uh technical issues um with doing yeah. that it's not any much better with like zoom and it's just the internet sucks here and yeah, how do you kind of get around that man it's like full hardwired to stuff or just better <laughs> yeah you gotta yeah you gotta have a high speed it's gotta fly them in like joe rogan does and i okay. sit there yeah I'd like to look at. I'd like to look into that because yeah, it was. Um, we'll work on it. We'll see yeah. if there's something better we can do. The more um, we have these opportunities, Starlink dog. Oh, just get the full Starlink. Yeah, Starlink. the studio. Yep, good Starlink. Starlink on the roof. Don't worry about Make it. Make this anymore. thing mobile. Sprinter van, podcast booth. Sprinter anywhere, van. Anywhere in the world. Starlink. It's a good idea. Shit's gonna go on the road too, so it might not be a bad idea. Could take Starlink to Moose Camp next year and just like podcast every night. <laughs> and we're back. Every night. We will. We will actually. <laughs> Day we one. Need to get Starlink. Daniel's knees flared up. Six yeah. miles today. <laughs> <laughs> got monkey butt. Daniel's got. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be cool to have the monkey whole first day. The whole thing be one podcast, but it's just like day one, day two, day three, day four, yeah. day five. Yep. Yeah. So it'd be a twelve-day podcast, but just like thirty minutes, twenty, ten, ten, yeah, twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, short each one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Campfire. Around the All right, Starlink, here we come. Thanks, Alaska. Thank you for listening. Stay wild. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights.
Big Rays, the Alaskan Outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need, tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of aerobic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate the vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge, can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flatbill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. I say try. If we never try, we shall never succeed. This proposition is a simple truth, and it's too important to be lost sight of for a moment. If we cannot beat the enemy where he now is, we never can. It is all easy if our troops march as well as the enemy, and it is unmanly to say they cannot do it. <laughs> 